Right. How are we doing, Experience Church? Doing good? Man, it's so good to be back with you after an incredible month of missions trips and family vacations and strategy meetings and all that, but it is good to be home. I hope you missed me as much as I missed you. Aw, uh, okay. No, but so good to be with you guys. Want to welcome everyone, whether you're joining us in person or maybe you're watching online. Honored to have you with us. And also want to take a moment, as I do every single week, and look into the camera and say a big hello to all the men and women joining us in our correctional ministry right here in our own backyard at CCNO or in one of the prisons across our nation or even in the country of Belize, in the Belize Central Prison that I got to go see a few weeks ago. Man, we love you. We're honored to have you a part of our church. So come on, Defiance. Have me welcome our church family today. It's awesome. That's awesome. So good. Well, before we jump into the message today, uh, I want to just remind us of a, th a few things that are coming up in the next few weeks, starting with small groups. Our fall small group semester is getting ready to start here in a couple of weeks. And I just want to speak something to those who, who might be feeling stirred to lead a group. In fact, I've spoken with several people, several individuals who have expressed to me, man, I feel like God is calling me to lead a group, but at the same time, they're battling with all the reasons why they can't or they shouldn't. Maybe they've never led a group before, or they don't feel qualified, or they're not sure if they have the time to make that commitment. And, and I just want to say, man, if God is speaking something to you, if God is stirring your heart, something that I have learned in my life is that I've never regretted stepping out of my comfort zone to do something for God, but I have regretted not doing that. And small groups are such a, a beautiful part of our church because how many of us know none of us were meant to do life on our own? We're better together, right? And small groups is a major way people get connected to genuine, authentic community here at Experience Church. And so if you're feeling stirred, man, you can sign up to lead a group on our website, xchurch.tv, or through the app, or you can stop by the connections area after service, and we would love to support you and resource you as you step out and do what God is stirring your heart to do. And then secondly, I do want to just remind us here in a few weeks, uh, we're celebrating an anniversary as a church. This year, Experience Church is turning 11, 11 years old. Wow. Who would have thought? So... On September 17th is our anniversary Sunday. I want to encourage you, be here as we celebrate the past and all that God has done these past 11 years. But we also focus on the future and where God is taking us as a church because we just believe we're just getting started around here. Amen? Well, today, as we dive into the message, I want to talk to us about one of the hardest things to do in life, and that is wait. I don't know about you, but I hate waiting. I hate waiting in traffic. I hate waiting in line. I hate waiting in a restaurant when I think they're taking too long to bring me my food. I hate waiting for people to text me back. Anybody else in the house today? 
Like it is hard to wait, especially when we're waiting on God. And it's hard to wait. And some of us, maybe we've been waiting on God for quite a while now, maybe a long time. You've been praying and you've been believing and you've been asking God to do something and yet you're still waiting. Maybe you've been praying and asking and believing for God to do something in your marriage to restore or to heal, but you're still waiting. Or maybe you've been praying and asking and believing God to take away your depression but you're still struggling with being depressed or maybe in praying and asking and believing for God to help you have children, but you're still waiting and waiting for him maybe to help you in your finances, maybe get you out of debt. And after waiting for such a long time, we can start to wonder, is God even listening? Does God even care? Is he even there? And the title of the message today is Waiting on God. And if you've ever found yourself in in a place like this where you feel like, man, God has just taken a really, really long time to answer this prayer, I want you to know that, that you're not alone. In fact, one of the most powerful and comforting things about our faith is that Jesus understands Jesus understands what we go through. He understands the pain that we feel. He knows the struggles that we're up against. Jesus understands. And when it comes to waiting on God, Jesus actually understands that too. That Jesus was God in the flesh. And so even as a child, he would have known that his mission was to come and seek and save those who were lost to give up his life as a ransom for many, to pay the ultimate price for our sin by dying on the cross so that we could have a life and have a life more abundantly. And yet Jesus had to wait 30 years before he could start his public ministry. 30 years. I mean, that's a long time to wait. Like if I have to wait three seconds for a video to load on my phone, come on, I'm done with it. I'm on to the next one. Anybody else? And Jesus had to wait 30 years before God gave him the green light to do what he was sent to do. And so if we've ever found ourselves in a season of waiting, if we've ever found ourselves just kind of impatient, asking, believing, uh, crying out for God to do something in our lives, if we've ever found ourselves just kind of obsessed with time, I want us to know today that we're not alone. And I also want to point out that uh, every single one of us will find ourselves in a season of waiting at some time or another. You might, oh, pastor, can't you be more positive than that? Absolutely. I'm positive that every single one of us at some point in our journey with Jesus will find ourselves in a season of waiting. And if you can relate to that today, uh, you're not the only one. In fact, one of Jesus' disciples also kind of was impatient and obsessed with time. And that's the disciple John. John wrote a book in the Bible. He wrote a, a gospel, the Gospel of John. In fact, in his book, I think it's interesting that over 35 times, John uses the word time. 
Seven different times he references Jesus referring to time, saying, my time has not yet come or the hour has, has not yet come. In fact, I want to take a look at one of those examples. It's found in John chapter 2, uh, and it's the story when Jesus actually performed his first miracle. He attended a, a wedding, and he turned water into wine. You guys know that Bible story. I mean, this is a wine drinker's favorite Bible story. I'm just like, see, even Jesus. And then everybody else is like, no, it was non-alcoholic wine. We're going to save that argument for another sermon, but I had to at least acknowledge what we're talking about. Let's take a look at it. John chapter two, starting in verse three says the wine supply ran out during the festivities and so Jesus's mother told him to have no more wine. Now it's important for us to know that this might sound like Jesus's mother is just making a statement but it's actually more of a command. Now you might say pastor how do you know it's it's more of a command? Well because my wife Justina has done this to me many times <laughs> in my life. She'll say things like, the trash can is full, or the, the sink has dirty dishes in it. And for the first 10 years of our marriage, I thought she was just making some random, random statements. But as I've grown a little wiser in, in my old age, I've come to realize she wants me to do something about it. And so I'll just tell one of the kids to do it. Come on. Come on, parent. Isn't that why? That's half the reason we had kids, just to get some workers around here to help us out. But how did, how did Jesus respond to his mother in verse four? It tells us that Jesus said, dear woman, that's not our problem. My time has not yet come. I'm gonna try this out with my wife. I'm just saying, honey, that is not my problem. My time has not yet come to take the trash out. But Jesus is saying, it's not God's timing yet. I'm still, I'm still waiting for God the Father to give me the green light. I'm still waiting for God to say, go. In fact, there's four different times in John's gospel alone that Jesus says, my time has not yet come. How I many? It's, it's, it's hard to wait, especially when we're waiting on God. Like, you ever come to that point in, in your life where like, I know God can do it, but for whatever reason, he hasn't done it yet. It's really hard when we know that God can, but we don't know why, and we don't understand why he hasn't done it yet. In fact, if you're just even a normal Christian, there are times when we ask ourselves, where is God? Why isn't he doing anything about this? What's God doing while we're waiting? I'm going to try and answer that question through scripture today. What's God doing while we're waiting? And the good news is, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down, and that is simply this, that while you're waiting, God is working. I don't know who needs to hear this today or who needs to be reminded of this today, that while you're waiting, God is working. I, I don't know about you, I know this reality, I know this truth, but sometimes when I get in a waiting season, I get impatient. Sometimes when I just don't know what God is up to and I can't see him, I just need to be reminded that while I'm waiting, God is working. He's up to something. That while we're waiting and we're trusting God, the Bible says that he's active in ways that we might not even know or understand. 
In fact, in the Old Testament, the prophet Isaiah said this in Isaiah chapter 64, verse four. He said, for since the world began, no ear has heard and no eye has seen a God like you. I love how the prophet just reminds, how many know he's not reminding God of who God is? He's reminding himself of how big God is. Wait a minute, let me just remind myself, there is no one like you. There is no one above you. There is no one beside you. Let me just remind myself that you've got the whole world in your hands, God, that I might be freaking out, but you're not freaking out. I might not know what you're doing, but you know exactly what you're doing. There is no one like you who works for those who wait for him. Let me just wait. Let me just brave heart it a little bit. Hold, hold, come on, hold. I mean, if I was holding one of the spirits, what do you mean hold? Like they're right there. Hold. Now while we're waiting, God is Working Now, that might raise the question, if you're anything like me, how? Like, how is God? That's great that he's working, but how is he working? Like, what's God doing? And I think one of the answers to that question is that sometimes God's working on it, whatever it is. That it that we want, that God's working on it because it's not ready. We're waiting and he's working on it. For, for example, many of you know my story that before I became a Christian, I was a mess, just to be honest with you. Uh, struggling with a drug addiction, spending time incarcerated, losing my father at a young age when I was 19 in a car accident. Like I was, before I met Jesus, I was broken, I was hurting, I was lost, and I was far from God. And then God, I encountered God in a way that changed my life forever in my early 20s. I encountered his presence where it became more than just a story. Like God changed me. One of my people that God changed you from the inside out. Like I'm different than I was before. I saw some of my old friends and they're like, Kyle's different. He's not the same anymore. Like God changed me. He became real to me and he changed me from the inside out and I was different. And so then I lived differently. And, and so after I became a Christian, when it came to relationships, man, I started doing relationships differently. Like, like when it came to relationships, I actually stopped dating for a long time because I just needed to detox and get reprogrammed from what I had seen in the world and how the world taught me to do relationships. Like I had to, to relearn, man, what's the right way to do relationships? What's God's way of doing relationships? And so I remember I took a step back to detox and relearn. And I didn't, I didn't know at the time, that, but that would be, become one of the longest seasons of my entire life. Where are my single people at? Like, oh my goodness. I was just detoxing and relearning, but it turned into years. Everybody say years. Years. I felt like I wandered around the desert. I thought this thing was going to take me two weeks. Come on, Israel. But it ended up taking like 20 years. Like, holy, it's me going round and round and round again. But come to find out that while I was waiting, I didn't know it, I didn't realize it at the time, but while I was waiting, God was working. That even though me and, and my future, beautiful, amazing, talented, sexy wife, 
Justine, we had not met yet. I mean, God was working on her. In fact, some would argue that the reason why it took so long is because how, uh, how much work God had to do on her. And if you believe that, I have some oceanfront property that I'd like to talk to you about in Kansas after the service. But she would tell you the, the story that, that she got saved in, in high school and, and during her high school years, she kind of struggled with having one foot in the world and one foot in the church. Anybody else been there too? And then in college, God began to do a work in, in her life. And after college, she got plugged into just an amazing church there in Springfield, Missouri, James River Church, where we got married. And she began to get discipled and, and she didn't know it at the time. But while she was waiting... God was working on me, and I didn't know it at the time, but while I was waiting, God was working on her. God was working and getting us both ready for the marriage and the mission that he had for us. While we're waiting, come on, God is working. But while we're waiting, sometimes if you're anything like me, we ask, why is God taking so long? Why isn't God doing what I know that he can do? Like we're praying for our marriage, but nothing seems to be changing. We're praying for God to heal and restore and bring us back together, but yet nothing seems to be happening. We're, we're asking for God to take away our depression, but we're still struggling with feeling depressed. We're praying, God, I know you can take my migraines away, so why don't you, God? God, why are you taking so long? Well, maybe, maybe God's working on it. It's not ready yet, or maybe we're not ready yet. Maybe God's working on us. In fact, what I've discovered a lot of times, I'll ask God, God, why won't you give me what I want? I want it now. And a lot of times I feel like God would say, you can't handle it yet. That if I gave it to you, you wouldn't be able to handle it. Maybe some of us right now are praying and asking God to help us in our finances. God, help us out. Our finances are a mess. We need some money. And God is saying, you can't handle more money. You can't even handle what you have right now. Why don't you be faithful with what you have before I give you a little bit more? You guys got a little quiet in here. Maybe we're praying, God, God, help me grow my business. God, help, help me grow and scale my, my business to another level, no, no, no level. And God might say, well, I, I want to grow you first before I grow your business. I, I, I want to grow your, your character before I increase your influence. I don't want your talent to take you somewhere where your character can't keep you. But I want to help you grow. I want to mature you. I want to do something in you first. In fact, what I've found is that if you're taking notes, write this down, and that is sometimes God does something in you before he does something through you. And we see examples of this throughout scripture. I was reminded of Saul, who was a guy who, he, who had faith. He, he loved God, but, but Saul did not believe that Jesus was the Messiah. He did not think that Jesus uh, was the Messiah, and so he made it his life's mission to eradicate Christians from the earth. He thought that they, they were blasphemers and they were messing up God's people, and so he made it his mission to hunt down and kill Christians. A little bit of a drastic 
uh, response to that. And, and one day he, he was riding his horse, because that's what you did back in the day, and he got knocked off his horse, a bright light that blinded him. And then out of this light, a voice, Jesus' voice said, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And it was in this moment that he realized Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus really is the way, the truth, and the life. And then he spent a couple of days uh, blind, and then God gave him back his sight. And all, after that encounter, God changed his life forever, and in that encounter, changed his name to Paul. And so all Paul wanted to do after that encounter with Jesus was preach. He just wanted to tell everybody, you don't understand, Jesus is real. I know what I said before, scratch that, Jesus is real. He wanted to tell everybody about Jesus. All he wanted to do was preach, but before God allowed him to preach, he had him start a business making tents. And he did that. Scholars believe that Paul made tents for about a decade. And while he was building tents, God was building his character. God said, I need to do something in you before I'm going to do something through you. Now, eventually, we know that Paul would go on to, to preach all over the world. He would plant several churches, and he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Now, what's God doing while we're waiting? God is always working while we're waiting. From the beginning of time, no ear has heard, no eye has seen a God like you who works for those who wait for him. And so the question is, what do we do? What do we do while we're waiting? Like, since we know God is working, what do we do while we're waiting? Well, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down, and that is this. Don't waste the waiting. If I could go back and, and say a few things to my younger self, this would be one of the things. In a season of waiting, in a season of preparation, in a season where I'm waiting for God to do something, don't waste the waiting. I mean, a waiting season isn't a wasted season if we'll seek and draw near to God to get all that he has for us. In other words, we are working while we're waiting. If God's working while we're waiting, I mean, we need to be working while we're waiting too. I was just thinking, you know, what does a waiter or a waitress do in a restaurant? Man, they serve. Like, what, what if while we're waiting for God to restore our marriage, maybe what if we started serving other couples? What if we started being a blessing to other couples? What if while we're waiting for God to do something in us, we started serving others and watched him do something in their lives too? That they would serve, that we're working while we're waiting. Like, what if we would do everything that we can do to grow spiritually while we're waiting? That we wouldn't wait passively, that we would actively wait and press in to God. I was just thinking back of when I was waiting for God to, to get all the things worked out in Justina and get her ready, and, and it was taking a while. I was like, all right, I'm, I'm not going to sit here, right? I'm joking a little bit, but, but while I was waiting, I was working. I wasn't just passively waiting. Now, I want to be active. So I actually, while I was waiting and taking that time off of dating and all that, I, I just was pursuing God. God called me into full-time ministry, began to grow spiritually, leading others. And then I surrounded myself with godly men. 
something I had never had in my life up until that point. I surrounded myself with godly couples. I watched how a godly family operated. I watched how godly parents parented their kids. I got around godly husbands and I watched how they treated their wives. And I started to learn and to grow so that one day when I would meet my, my spouse and my wife, I was growing, I was ready, I was working while I was waiting. It wasn't passively waiting, but passionate, persistent pursuit of God in the waiting. So I wanna encourage you, if you're in a waiting season, don't waste the waiting. Let God do what he wants to do in you in this season. Now I wanna show us something in, in a few minutes of our time remaining, the next 45 minutes, maybe help build our faith in God, especially when it comes to his timing. Because I, let me just give us a little, have you ever argued with God about his timing? Have you ever, have you ever questioned God's timing in your life before? It, don't leave me hanging up here at church. Because I got both my hands raised. Like, are you sure, God? Like, I feel like this is taking a little longer than it should. I've questioned God's timing. So I want to just kind of talk about some things, help build our faith in God's timing. Speaking of, like, from the beginning of creation to the birth of Christ, we need to understand that the world was waiting for a Messiah. Like, it had been prophesied over and over and over again. The Messiah's coming. The Messiah is coming. The Messiah is coming. Generation after generation after generation and after decades, centuries had passed. God's people started to wonder, well, when is the Messiah coming? We've been talking about it generation after generation over and over, but when? Why is God taking so long? And although they didn't know then what we know now, and that is the world wasn't ready yet. In fact, when it comes to the, to the Bible, there was a 400-year time period between the Old Testament and the New Testament, between the book of Malachi and the Gospels uh, in the New Testament and the time uh, John the Baptist came on the scene. And during those 400 years, no prophet spoke on God's behalf which made the waiting period even more difficult because at least before that, while God's people were waiting for the Messiah, at least God was speaking to them then. And suddenly, there was nothing. Suddenly, heaven went silent, which may be how some of us might feel right now. We're praying for something. We're believing God for something. We're asking him to do something. We're having faith in God. We're pursuing God. We keep trying to press into God, but it feels like God's gone silent. Like he's dark and there's just nothing there. And we're just asking, God, give me a sign. I'll take a Bible verse, a song, a feeling. God, just give me something. And yet we feel like God's gone silent. I want to remind us today, if you're taking notes, write this down, and that is, just because God feels silent doesn't mean that he's absent. Just because God feels silent doesn't mean that he's absent. Because while you're waiting, come on, God is still working. And the Bible says that God works all things together for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. That while we're waiting, he's 
working. And the world was waiting for a Messiah. God's people were waiting for the Messiah, to, and he just simply would not come. But take a look at what the Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 4, verse 4. But when the right time came, God sent his son. When the right time came, God sent his son. When the time was perfect, when the time was right, God sent his son, Jesus. Not early and not late, but in the perfect time. When the time was right, God sent his son, born of a virgin, not to, to condemn the world, but to save the world. Not to come for the healthy, but to come for those who are sick. Not to come for those who proclaim to be righteous, but to come for those who are sinners in need of a savior. When the time was right, God sent his son. And so if we find ourselves struggling in our waiting, if we're asking God to answer our prayers, if we're wondering, man, when, if God is even going to answer our cries, if we feel like we're just in this holding pattern right now, and it seems like maybe God is giving us the silent treatment, I want to remind us that just because we feel like God is silent doesn't mean that he's absent. Can I just remind us that God's not ignoring us? God, God, God's not neglecting us. God's not forgotten us on who needs to be reminded. God's not forgotten you in your situation. Maybe it's not ready yet. Maybe God's working on it. Or, or maybe we're not ready yet and God's working on us. Or maybe, I, I hate to break it to us today, but I think it's important for us to know, maybe God's never gonna do that thing we're asking him to do. But how many of us know he's still God? And it's not about our preferences. It's about his glory. And the Bible tells us in Isaiah chapter 55, verses eight through nine, God says, for, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. Sometimes we just need to be reminded of this. You're God and I'm not. You're, you're the creator and I am the creation. Your thoughts are, they're higher than my thoughts. Your ways are higher than my ways. Verse nine says, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. That if we're waiting, come on, God is working and maybe he's working on it. Maybe he's working on us or maybe he's never gonna do exactly what we want him to do because his ways are higher than our ways. What's that Garth Brooks song, Unanswered Prayers? I don't listen to country music, but I feel like he, he, feel like he nailed it. And some of God's greatest gifts <laughs> are unanswered prayers. How depressing is this guy, right? Like who's, who just drives around and listens to that? Like I'm, I'm depressed just thinking about it. But he was right. Some of his greatest gifts. I'm so glad I didn't get what I was praying for. Come on, you know what I'm talking about back in high school when you were dating that one person and then you saw them at your 20-year reunion. You're like, oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I've been delivered. Woo! Dodged a bullet there. <laughs> this is not in my notes. I just want you to know. <laughs> so true, isn't it? Thank you, Lord, for 
unanswered prayers. His ways are higher than our ways. How many of we can rest in the fact that he loves us and he wants what's best for us? Can I just remind us of that today? He wants what's best for us. As a father wants what's best for his kids, God wants what's best for us. We're here to serve him and glorify him. And Jesus understood this. Jesus understood that God's ways are higher, that he has a plan and I can trust him. That's why he said, my time has not yet come. That's why he waited 30 years. God the Father hasn't told me it's time yet. But when God finally did tell Jesus it's time, it wasn't for Jesus' benefit. In other words, when, when, what God called Jesus to do wasn't comfortable or easy. In fact, take a look. John chapter 12, verse 23 Jesus replied, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. And how did Jesus feel about this? Finally, yes, I can't wait to, to suffer and be tortured and die a brutal death. No, here's what Jesus said in verse 27. Now my soul is troubled. Other verses say, my soul is downcast. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. No, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. And what's Jesus' response? Father, glorify your name. In other words, God, if you do what I want, when I want, glorify your name. If you do what I want later than I want, when you want God, glorify your name. And if you never do what I want, Glorify your name. God, glorify your name because you're the creator of the universe and there is no one like you. And there is no one above you. And you're worthy of our hearts and you're worthy of our lives and you're worthy of our praise. And we can find comfort in the fact, God, you love us and you want what's best for us. And the good news is, church, while we're waiting, God is working. So while we're, we're waiting, we know, I mean, we know the, the name of Jesus is bigger than de depression. We know the name of Jesus is bigger than cancer. We know the name of Jesus can heal any brokenness. The name of Jesus is bigger than any addiction, any pornography addiction, alcohol addiction, or methamphetamine addiction, or any kind of sexual addiction. The name of Jesus is bigger. We call on him and we believe that he can heal. We believe that he can restore. We believe that he'll restore those broken relationships. We believe that he'll heal our marriage. We believe that he'll bring those prodigal sons and daughters back home. We believe that he can and we believe that he will. We believe that he hears the cries of our hearts. We believe that there's freedom in his name. We believe that he's doing a work in our lives. We know he'll restore. We know that he can. We know that he will. In fact, one of my favorite scriptures to, to quote, when I'm in a waiting season of trying to maybe overcome, especially when God really delivered me from, from addiction and all these different things, the passion of scripture that I just held to for the longest time as I struggled with sin, going back and forth is Proverbs chapter 24, verse 16. Though a righteous man falls seven times, he rises again. 
keep going back to that thing, God. I'm keep battling this thing. I keep struggling with this. And I keep waiting for you to heal this relationship. I, I keep waiting for you to do this. And I keep making mistakes. But though a righteous man, even though I mess up, I'm standing back up in your grace. I'm gonna keep trusting you. I'm gonna keep believing in you. I'm gonna keep following you because I know you love me and you have a plan for me. And I'm gonna keep on trusting you. I believe in you. Father, and so if you answer my prayer, when I want you to, in my timing, God, glorify your name. Maybe for your glory. God, if you answer my prayer later than I want you to, my heart is glorify your name. And if you never, if you never answer that prayer, God, glorify your name. I trust you. I believe in you. And I'll follow you no matter what. Amen. Would you pray with me today? Father, we thank you for your love that never fails. We thank you that your thoughts are higher than our thoughts and your ways are higher than our ways. And even when we find ourselves in a season of waiting, God, we just are comforted and reassured that you're working. And God, we don't want to waste the waiting. If there's something in us that you want to do, God, do something in us. There's maturity. There's that thing. You, God, do a work in us as we wait. We thank you for the comfort of your spirit and the truth of your word that leads us and guides us in our lives. And as we're praying together with every head bowed, every eye closed, maybe you're waiting on something, whatever it is. Maybe it's something in your marriage or maybe you're like me. You've been single for a long time and you're waiting. Maybe you're waiting for that prodigal son or daughter to come back home. Maybe you've been praying and asking God to do something and it just seems like he's taking forever. Just waiting on something. I wanna, I wanna pray for you today. Would you just lift your hand? Whatever it is, if you're waiting on something, you're asking, you're trusting, you're believing, you're pursuing. Come on, let's lift our hands to heaven. Father, you see these hands. You know the situations. You know the struggles. You know those moments when we feel like heaven's silent. We're starting to question, do you, do you care, God? Are you even there? Do you, do you see us? God, I pray you would just remind us in this moment that you've not forgotten us. You're not ignoring us. You're not neglecting us. That you're working while we're waiting. That you're working while we're waiting. And God, I pray that you would help us not waste our waiting. And even now, God, our prayers, whatever you want to do in us, do it, Lord. If I'm waiting for you to, to heal my marriage, let it start with me. If I'm wanting you to do something, let it start with me. God, whatever you want to do in me, work on me. And then even in this moment, whatever it is that we're asking and praying and believing for God, even if you never answer our prayer exactly the way we want it, we declare in this moment, we trust you. We know your ways are higher than our ways and your thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And we trust you. God, glorify your name. In all things, glorify your name. God, lead us by the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. As we continue praying together today, we talk about waiting on God. Maybe, maybe God's waiting on us. 
The Bible says in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, that the Lord is slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he's not slow, he's patient with us, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. God's not slow, he's patient. His heart is for every single one of us to not know him just with our heads, but that we would know him in our hearts, to have a relationship with him. And with every head bowed and every eye closed today, if you would say, man, I don't have a relationship with Jesus. I don't know God. Or maybe you walked with God at one point in time, but you've drifted. God would say, I'm waiting. I stand at the door of your heart today and I'm knocking. And the Bible says anyone who will let him, him in, he will change us and give us a life we never thought possible. And so if you're here today, maybe you're watching online and you need to make Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life, would you lift your hand to heaven right where you're at? Say, here I am, Jesus. Thank you for waiting for me. Thank you for believing in me. Thank you that you still have a plan for my life. And right where you're at, would you just pray this prayer with me? Say, God, thank you. Thank you that you're not slow, you're patient. Thank you for never giving up on me. Thank you that no matter how much I've messed up or how many mistakes I've made, you still love me, you still believe in me, and you still have a plan for me. And right now, in this place, here's my life. Here's my heart. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to pay the price for my sin on the cross. God, forgive me of my sin. Fill me with your spirit. Show me how to live. My life is yours.